Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by KL Skin Naturals. I've told you guys all about my love for the new whipped shampoo and creamy conditioner bars that recently came out. My long, thick hair feels so soft and clean without all of the plastic waste from regular shampoo and conditioner. You guys can replace up to two to three bottles of your liquid shampoo with their hand-whipped shampoo bars. Leah recently added some new scents that sound so dreamy, like coconut paradise and sweet orange. Yummy! So head on over to klskindeodorant.com and use promo code WILDROSE10 to save 10% off your purchase. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. We are continuing on our June Dairy Month with Becca Hilby. Becca is a first-generation dairy farmer from America's Dairyland in Wisconsin. Becca and her husband, Joey, live on his family's farm with their three-year-old daughter, Sophia, and one-year-old son, Joseph. They raise steers, chickens, pigs, and too many cats to count. Her day job is calf manager and co-herd manager on a 350 cow dairy, where she has worked since college, which was 11 years ago. (laughs) Becca has developed her own herd of dairy cows on the farm, which consists mostly of brown Swiss and a few Holsteins, as well as two milking shorthorns. I'm excited for you guys to get to know Becca a bit more. Becca and I don't connect over our dairy cows, but we definitely connect over our excessive amount of farm cats. (laughs) So I hope you guys get a good laugh and enjoy getting to know Becca more on this episode. Before we get to today's show, you may have seen a post of mine last week on social media highlighting some new egg podcasts that I have recently found or have been binge listening to. These shows are either highlighting or hosted by BIPOC farmers or foodies. So since that post, I've actually found some even more great content and I've had friends recommend and share some more new podcasts with me, which I love a good podcast recommendation, by the way. So I have gone ahead and made a blog post and connected it to today's show notes so you guys can have a look and get some new podcasts coming through those earbuds. And without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Becca. Hi, Becca. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Thank you for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited and nervous. (laughs) Don't be nervous. (laughs) Like I always say to all of my guests, it's just two girlfriends having a chat over a coffee or a tea or whatever it is you're drinking. That's none of our business. So... And well, maybe you're enjoying a glass of milk because it's June Dairy Month. Yes. (laughs) Happy Dairy Month to you. And happy Dairy Month to you, best month of the year. Yes, I'm excited to chat with you and learn more about your operation, your love of your unique cows and all of the things. So for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, Becca, give us a brief description of who you are and where you're from. 
Um, hi, I am Becca Hilby. I grew up near Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and now I live on the other side of the state in southwest Wisconsin in Hazel Green. So I did not grow up on a farm, but through 4-H and some pretty incredible people, I kind of got involved in the dairy industry, and then one thing led to another, and here I am. My day job is working on a dairy farm in Platteville. Then my husband and I also live on his grandparents' farm where we raise steers, pigs, chickens, cats, and some children. All of the things. And thank you for saying that you raise cats because it is truly <laughs> a thing. <laughs> it is. Thing They're that just I as much a part of our yes. family as everything else. <laughs> they are a very important part on the farm. And, you know, I think one day I'm going to do a podcast all about cat farming. And I'll, I'll have to invite all of my other <laughs> crazy cat friends on the show. <laughs> yes, but don't ask us how many cats we have. No, absolutely not. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> So you didn't grow up on a farm, but you said that you were part of 4-H. Tell me how that works and how that happened for you, because that's very interesting to me. Yeah, so I don't know what really prompted us to join 4-H to begin with. I know I was nine years old, and I, I've always thought I was only eight years old. Like, when I tell my story, I say I was eight years old. Until last year, my mom and I were talking, and I was nine, so I've been lying all these years. But <laughs> my cousins were in 4-H, and so I'm guessing my brother and I joined with them. And I remember uh, we had a local farmer just randomly come to one of the meetings and was like, hey, you know, if anyone wants to show dairy, come out to the farm and you can see what it's all about. And I, I wish I remembered like what was going through our minds when we decided that was an amazing idea. So we went and we did it. My first year was pretty awful. I showed a Holstein, Holstein named Kathy and she was too big for me from what I remember, and she was just, she was mean. I didn't know what I was doing. She stepped on my foot right before we went to the ring, and I'm pretty sure I cried the whole time. But for some reason, I signed up again to do it the next year. And when I signed up the next year, I took a brown Swiss, and so that's where my love of brown Swiss comes from. And after that, the rest is history. But 4-H was absolutely incredible for me. I showed chickens, and I actually showed my cat a couple years. You can do that. <laughs> So maybe that's where my cat farming started. I don't know. But I did like photography and, you know, arts and crafts. I mean, it was just, it was a really cool experience for me. That's really cool. So being a city kid then, what did your other friends think of this hobby and this after school project that you had? Well, I don't know. I guess, I don't want to say I didn't have friends. I had friends growing up, but I... I kind of went all into the dairy thing. You know, I hung out with the people I showed with. The people at school, they didn't, I don't know if they know if they judged me or not, but they thought it was cool, I guess, but that was about it. Like, no one seemed all that interested in it. Right. Well, they probably didn't really understand. And you know what? Growing up where I did, I'm sure I went to school with kids who did participate in 4-H that didn't live on a farm, but I probably had no idea about it. <laughs> yeah. And I know around our area, it's pretty common just because where I grew up, there's not many farms left. So there's a lot of city kids that are able to go down these farms and show animals and stuff. But it was just at my high school... I think I was one of maybe three or four people that did it, and I had a pretty big school, so I was kind of an outlier there. There you go. I was a drama kid. You were a 4-H kid. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, we turned out all right. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from 4-H then, what was the rest of your, I guess, schooling experience once you were done high school? Did you know that you wanted to be a part 
of the agricultural industry as a career? I did. So I decided to go to UW-Platteville, which is pretty close to where I live now. And my first thought was that I wanted to be a vet. Like, that just sounded like the best job ever. So when I got to Platteville, I got through my first chemistry class. And by I say got through, I barely got through. And I was like, okay, maybe being a vet is not for me. So I majored in animal science with a dairy emphasis. I knew that I still wanted to stay in agriculture and be around cows because I was just truly passionate about it. With through 4-H, I also did like dairy judging and dairy bowl. So I was kind of just trying to get involved in everything. So that's what led me to go to UW-Platteville for animal science. Very cool. And that is where you met your husband, correct? It is. Uh, we actually met, very romantic, but we met in an artificial insemination class. <laughs> I feel like that's where many true love stories have happened. <laughs> I would think so. I don't know. I mean, I guess the second time we actually met was in a bar, so I'm not sure what's better. <laughs> so, and your husband grew up in the agriculture industry, correct? Yeah, his dad dairy farmed for a while, and then his grandparents had the farm throughout. So he majored in animal science in college, too. Right. So it was the perfect match. You fell in exactly. love with a dairy farmer. <laughs> That's perfect. So after college, where did you start working? So I started working at Weigel Dairy. I started working for them actually in college. I was a sophomore, I think, when I started there, just milking cows. We were only milking twice a day way back in the day. Uh, I think we were milking about 250 cows then too. And then once I graduated, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. And at the time, we were not raising the calves on the farm. They were getting raised on another farm. And my boss was like, you know, if you want, we can bring all the calves back here. We can make you a full-time calf manager. That way you can stick around until you figure out what you want to do. And I've always loved calves. I love raising them. I love the challenges of it. So we did that. And that's kind of how I got my full-time job there. That is amazing. And you still work for Weigel Dairy, correct? I do, yep. It's yeah. only been 11 years. <laughs> that is amazing. Those must be some pretty wonderful people to work with. That's so good. And I think you might have the best job I've seen on Instagram because you get to play <laughs> with cute calves all day long, and I am uber uh -huh. jealous. <laughs> yep, it has its perks. <laughs> so tell us what your daily job then is on Weigel Dairy and being the calf manager. What does your day-to-day -day look like? I'm the calf manager, and then I kind of call myself a co-herd manager, too. I feed calves a few days a week, and then I also milk a couple times a week and do things with, like, herd health. I keep up on their vaccinations and things like that. And then on the calf end, I feed, make sure everyone's got clean bedding, do all the vaccinations with them, newborn care, making sure they're getting moved to the right pens, things like that. I do a little bit of everything now that I've been there for so long. Yeah, that's great. So tell us about the evolution of your job there on Weigel Dairy, because you started as a college student and 11 years later, you have your own herd at Weigel Dairy. So tell us how that all happened. So I started milking and then I went full-time feeding the calves and my boss, he was like, you know, if you want, you can get a couple cows and keep them here. And I was like, oh, my gosh, all my dreams are coming true right now. So my very first cow was actually a Holstein. 
we had bought a herd from another farm, and there was one heifer that they weren't even going to sell us, but they kind of just threw in. She had gotten her foot stuck in a barbed wire fence, so her foot was pretty mangled. And my boss is like, well, do you want to, like, take care of her? You can have her if you want. And I'm like, okay. So we brought her home. We put her in a little pen by herself, and we put a couple calves on her. I took care of her daily fed and watered her. I'm not even sure how long she was in that barn, probably a couple months maybe. And then she finally entered the herd. So that was my first cow. Her name was Ellie Mae. She was incredible. It was one of those cows that was like, do I really want to take the time to nurse you through this? But I'm the type of person that I can't put something like that. Like I can't just give up on an otherwise healthy animal. So she was my first one. And then the first ones I actually bought, I bought four brown Swiss from a breeder a couple hours away. We brought them home. And then over the years, I've bought a few more at local sales. Um, otherwise, I've just kind of grown my herd from within. So it's been a hard journey, but I've learned a lot. And I'm just thankful every day that I've had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great opportunity. And I've said this a lot, but what great people it is that you work for to afford you that opportunity. Because you and I both know farming and everything that goes into it is very expensive. So to have Mm -hmm. any kind of break that you can is always super helpful. Yes, exactly. If you are familiar with those families who are overly affectionate, overshare, and are completely entertained by their own shenanigans, then say hello to Nicole, Morgan, and Megan from the Laura Lynette Shop. The Laura Lynette Shop is an agriculture-inspired shirt shop that began in February of 2018 by three sisters from Michigan. The business is a combination of their middle names and a commitment to put family first no matter what life throws at them. Every item from Laura Lynette Shop is made by hand from the girls and their mom. Each design is unique to their style and every decal is pressed individually at time of order. The ladies want you to know that their hearts go out to everyone in agriculture during this time of uncertainty. They want you to know that your story is important, your hard work is noticed, and you are so very important to our world. Head to today's show notes for the link to lauralinetteshop.com. The ladies have also provided the listeners of the Rural Women Podcast a special gift of savings. Listeners will receive 15% off their purchase by using promo code WILDROSE15. And don't forget to check out and stay connected with Laura Lynette Shop on Facebook and Instagram. Happy shopping, friends! So like we talked about before we started recording, I have to admit to you that you are my very first brown Swiss dairy farmer on the Rural Woman podcast. You know, I I feel like there should be a trophy or a certificate that I should be sending you in the mail. Okay, I'll be waiting for this. Do you need my address? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So tell us more about brown Swiss cattle and why you think they are the best of all of the cattle. I mean, they're majestic. Have you seen them? (laughs) (laughs) My absolutely favorite thing is their personalities. I I know every breed has their own personality. Like, you know, Jersey's are way out there too. But brown Swiss, they're just so docile and they're so curious and they 
they're just like big dogs to me. When I first started showing, I had that whole scene that was, you know, whatever. <laughs> so then I, when I got to the Brown Swiss, I'm sure it was just this cute little calf that I had, but she was just so beautiful and so tame compared to this Holstein. So that's kind of where, you know, it started, and they're my favorite breed. They're hardy. They are very, very stubborn, but I kind of like that because they don't give up easy, and I don't like to give up easy. They're just absolutely gorgeous animals. They don't produce quite as much as a Holstein or Jersey may, but they've still got really great components. You can also use them as a dual-purpose breed, which is what we're doing now, raising our brown Swiss steers for meat. And yeah, they're just amazing. That is great. Like you said, they're just like you. They're cute and they're stubborn. (laughs) Yes. I always feel like people are more drawn toward the animals that they most identify with. Like, I'm very much a goat person. (laughs) So there you go. I don't know what what that says about me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. So you mentioned a couple of the differences between jerseys and Holsteins and brown Swiss. What are some of like the major differences when it comes to milk production, meat production, all of those types of things? So milk production, I'd say they're going to be lower than a Holstein or a Jersey, but their components are pretty comparable to a Jersey. Jersey might be a little bit higher, but they're going to be better than a Holstein. Usually they've got good butter fat, so they make really great cheese. They're actually, so I said they were hardy animals too. Uh, They do really well in different climates. So I know like down south, a lot of people have brown Swiss because they do really well in the warmer weather, but they also do really good in the colder weather. So they're kind of a good overall breed. So their meat, we actually, a few years ago, uh, decided to raise one for ourselves just for meat for our family. And when we got it back, I mean, the marbling was gorgeous. It just tastes extremely good. It's a little bit more fatty and has more marbling than like a Holstein would or a Jersey. Jerseys and Holsteins are pretty lean animals. But in other countries, brown Swiss is considered a dual breed. So it can be used for dairy or for meat production. Very cool. Would you like to learn how to make cheese? How about learning how to make cheese at home with the modern milkmaid. Naomi D. Ryder is from Birdsong Farm in Armstrong, BC, where she dairy farms with her husband, Ben, and his family. When she was 14, Naomi got her first Jersey cow named Blossom and began making cheese, yogurt, butter, and ice cream for her family. No recipe was off limits to try, and luckily she has five brothers and three sisters who ate all of her worst mistakes. Naomi spent two years working in a cheese plant with an award-winning cheesemaker and has been teaching classes for eight years. She is releasing her first virtual cheesemaking class this month. As her student, you will receive lifetime access to a detailed pre-recorded video that will guide you step-by-step in making mozzarella cheese at home. Kits are also available and include detailed instructions and all ingredients that you need, except for the milk and salt, to make up the eight batches of fresh mozzarella cheese. Yummy! If you'd like to learn how to make cheese with Naomi, the modern milkmaid, head to today's show notes for the link to naomisbirdsongfarm.ca. Listeners of the Roll Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. Happy cheese making! 
So tell us more about your farm, the Hilby Family Farm, and what you produce on the farm. I mean, what don't we produce at this point? <laughs> um, so we started raising, we did a couple groups of Holstein bottle calves in the past couple years just to kind of start getting a revenue going. And then once we raised the one brown Swiss for meat and we were like, wow, this is really good. We had a couple family members that wanted some, so we raised another one. Then I kind of just started bringing all my brown Swiss bull calves home and raising them, and we've just been selling them by the quarter and by the halves. And then this past year, I really wanted to kind of expand that. I got my retail license to sell meat off the farm, so I could sell, like, by the cut, not just by the quarter. So that's something new that we're doing this year. And then I'm actually going to my first farmer's market this year as well. That's actually tomorrow. But since this is June, it was last month. <laughs> so I'll be selling chicken eggs and our beef. And then we actually just got pigs this year as well. We Well, we started with eight, and uh, we sold those right away. So we just got another 10 because why not? <laughs> so we're excited to raise those. They've been a lot of fun so far. We're raising them. Uh, we've got a special feed for them, but then we're also raising them with some milk from the farm, which apparently makes the meat, like, extremely tender and delicious. So I'm excited to see how those taste. That's very cool and very exciting. So many things, so many critters mm -hmm. on the farm. <laughs> Very much so. And I'm sure the kids just absolutely love being on the farm with all oh of the animals. Oh my gosh, animals. yes. Yes, they do. That is so cute. So what are your future plans then for Hillby Farms? What are you hoping to expand and what are you hoping to accomplish? Well, in a perfect world, I would win the lottery and I would be able to bring all my cows home and milk them without a financial worry in the world. <laughs> but I know that that's probably not going to happen. So we're kind of hoping to just keep raising our Swiss and selling meat and see how this pork thing goes out if we keep doing that every year. And just, I don't know, kind of keep growing it a little bit. My main goal has always been and will always be to provide affordable beef to families. I don't like to put like flashy marketing terms on our beef. I mean, we raise it with love and a lot of people will call it like naturally raised, but I just want to be able to provide affordable beef to families. And I know that we take care of it really well. So it kind of gives me pride knowing that we do that. I think that's so great. And like you said, you raise them with love in your heart and it's obviously apparent. And I actually can't believe I skipped over this. I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking for my listeners who don't follow Becca already on social media, Becca, she has the <laughs> nicest printed name tags and ear tags for her calves that I have ever seen anybody have. And Becca also gives her calves the best names ever. <laughs> they kind of do. <laughs> I think that is a spiritual gifting that you have of naming your calves and their cute ear tags are the best I've seen. And I have to tell you that I have been inspired that the next animals that I get and their ear tags are going to be very similar to yours because I just love them so much. <laughs> Good. I get a lot of comments on that actually. Like we take steers anywhere. People will be like, 
what was your uh, name theme here back on? I'm like, oh, you know, Disney movies. We have an alcohol theme sometimes. And That's so funny. <laughs> we have a lot of fun naming the cats. <laughs> I think this could be a side hustle for you, like naming people's yeah. animals, print their name tags and mail them to them. And you'll be a millionaire in no time. And then all of your dreams will come true. <laughs> You are on to something. <laughs> All right, well, I got to go. I got to go start something quick here. <laughs> okay, so before you become a multimillionaire and never talk to me again, <laughs> I would like you to give the listeners, most specifically the dairy producers, any words of wisdom or pieces of advice that you have for them. I know the dairy industry is typically one that is in the media a lot and there are a lot of farmers that are struggling currently so any words of wisdom or just happy things that you want to say to a dairy producer right now let's hear them honestly just keep swimming (laughs) I feel like I say that a lot lately but it's it's not easy it's not easy looking at market prices and seeing that milk is kind of down in the dumps where it has been for a long time. And then with COVID happening and there being so many unknowns, it's hard to kind of keep positive. But I guess my biggest advice is to keep finding the positive in things. One of the things that I am just blown away with lately is how many companies and people of our community are donating dairy products to those in need. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. And everything changed when COVID happened. But one thing that is just amazing is the amount of people that are taking time to donate dairy products to other people. And another thing is to just keep sharing your story. I know it sucks when animal rights activists attack farmers. It's really heartbreaking to see because we're just out here every day trying to do the best for our animals. And they just want to spread their hate towards us. And it's hard to not take it personally. But just keep sharing your story, keep doing what you're doing, and I don't know, even if you can impact one person to know that, you know, one person that wasn't really sure about the dairy industry, if they can find your profile and see how well you're taking care of your animals and be like, oh, you know, I'm going to go buy an extra gallon of milk because this person is, you know, that's a farmer, that's a real person, and I can support them. I think that's kind of the best thing, even if you're just one person, even if you're just changing one person's life. Absolutely. And that is my mentality also of if you can affect just one person, then it's absolutely Mm -hmm. worth the work that you're doing. So good words, Becca, good words. So my last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer? I think just knowing that we have a part in feeding the world is pretty incredible. I mean, it's a small part, but knowing that we are taking care of these animals every day they're depending on us and we're just as dependent on them is pretty incredible and then kind of just another aspect every time I watch a new baby come into the world that's like my absolute favorite thing about being on the farm that is so great and so wonderful and never gets old Becca it has been so good talking to you and I am so happy that we were able to connect and have you on the show For my listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? So they can find me on Instagram. I'm at Farming with the Hilbies. We have a Facebook page that is Hilby Family Farm. There's also a Wago Dairy Facebook page. And I'm on Twitter, but not very much. I think it's just Becca Hilby on Twitter. I am on YouTube, but I wouldn't say I actually post on YouTube, but that's Hilby Family Farm as well. (laughs) 
I will link all of those regardless of if you're active of them or not. And people can find you and connect with you and maybe encourage you to post another YouTube video. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story and joining us for June Dairy Month. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, everyone, go eat ice cream. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.